powerful name, Jesus, Jesus. It's you, Jesus. So powerful, so mighty, and yet so humble, stooping low, bending down to be like us. And we see your tenderness displayed in our mothers. We see your care, your compassion, your nurturing nature. Jesus, thank you for your humility. And we thank you for our mothers as they display the same humility, the same selflessness, self-emptying, self-sacrificing for their children. What a gift and how it displays your glory, Jesus, and your character, and your nature. We thank you for our mothers, and we thank you that we can see your character displayed in them. Give them strength. Give them power to continue serving you as they serve us. Displaying your glory in such a beautiful way. We honor you as we honor our mothers this morning. Jesus, be lifted high on the praises of your people and bless our mothers this morning. Give them a special grace, a special blessing, a comfort, a reassurance that they belong to you. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are and all you've done for us. Thank you for receiving our worship this morning. Now continue your work in us by your Holy Spirit who dwells within each one of your people. Now as we hear from your word, Holy Spirit, illuminate it. Convict us of sin. Give us ears to hear. We pray that you would give Pastor Rick strength and boldness. Continue working, Jesus, by your spirit. And it's in your name, Jesus, that all God's people said, amen and amen. You can be seated as we continue in worship.
some call you mama some call you mommy some call you the most smartest some call you so funny some call you homework helper some call you higher higher some call you their hero and also their taxi driver some call you nana or abuela or mima some call you mother please stop spoiling them all some call you a mentor some call you a friend some call you god's kindness for the mother they never had some call you from the beginning some call you much later some call you guardian or foster parent on paper but paper never stopped you from showing up open-handed you were no less the mother and the love god intended some call you joy some call you graceful some call you strength some call you faithful some call you constant some call you care some call you always some call you there some call you the greatest some call you the bomb but i i call you blessed i call you mom I'm so glad you're here today. Mother's Day is sometimes a grand celebration. And Mother's Day sometimes brings such hurt. Sometimes you're thinking of mom and, wow, she's not around anymore. Or, or you're thinking of maybe becoming a mom. Or wondering about the papers that maybe will help you into this motherhood responsibility and blessing. The truth is, is that we owe moms a lot. And we are so grateful to be able to focus. Today's going to look a little bit different. It, it just is. And our scripture is going to focus on moms or ladies. But let me assure you, all of us will be encouraged. There's no doubt in my mind. As you can see, I have selected two ladies to join me up on the platform. Ladies that I respect. One of them I live with. <laughs> Drew Harder is Brendan's wife. Brendan leads our worship just about every Sunday. And Sharon is my wife. And they are... Uh, in case you haven't noticed, different stages in life, all right? 
They are on their own spiritual journeys filled with both joys and discouragements. And I'm excited to learn from them and to hear how they have clung to the Lord through their ups and downs of life. But before we jump in today, I'd love to be able to pray. Father, I come before you and I recognize that you are our Father. You're sovereign. You know what's best for us. And sometimes, Father, that's hard to accept. So we come before you and ask you to open our eyes. May your word convict us and encourage us and strengthen us. May we understand a little bit more of how life looks underneath your kingdom, underneath your reign and your rule. We pray, dear God, that you would encourage us in new and fresh ways today. Lord, I pray for all those churches who in our area and all over these states and and all over the world who are proclaiming your gospel today. They are lifting your name up. They are worshiping you. And we pray, dear God, that you would use your word to equip and encourage the saints all over. We pray especially, Father, for Northbridge Church and for the chapel and for Casa de Rocion. We pray, Father, that you would encourage them right in our own neighborhoods. We also ask, Father, that you would be with our teachers downstairs and for all the ministries that go on. Lord, our kids are important to us, and we want to be able to proclaim to them truth, life-transforming truth. And would they learn to trust you early in their lives? We are grateful again, God, for all that you have done and want you to receive glory today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. What's going to happen is that we're going to, or I'm going to, ask Sharon and Drew some questions. They know what the questions were going to be, all right? But I've asked them to pray through these questions, and honestly, I am excited to be able to hear their answers and hear what God's doing in their lives. So, Drew, let's start off with you. Both of our ladies are going to um, answer the same question as we go through this, but how has your relationship with God helped you during this stage in your life? Um, So for anybody who doesn't know, I am in the stage of motherhood where there are lots of littles under my feet all the time. Um, I have, my oldest is seven. I also have a five-year-old, a four-year-old, and an 18-month-old, and our new one coming in September. Um, And so I can think back to when Brendan and I were newly married, and it was just the two of us, and I could wake up at four o'clock in the morning and spend an hour in the Word and an hour praying, and I had all this time. Um, In this stage of life, it looks very different, and... I can struggle with that sometimes, feeling like 
I am not spending enough time with the Lord and not prioritizing my walk with him. And I can't tell you how many times even Sharon has said, Drew, that's not where the Lord has you right now. And um, one of the biggest things that God reassures me with every day is that he's with me in the day-to-day when I have two minutes to sit down and open the word and I get through half a verse and then a catastrophe happens. <laughs> and, and God reminds me with his presence and through his people that that's what I needed from him that day and he met me in the middle of it. Um, and so that's been really huge for me to know that I'm not failing because of my season but the Lord is with me in the middle of it. Um, And I think that the other thing that has been really helpful for me, I mean, you can imagine that many littles in the house (laughs) all the time. It's not exactly a peaceful environment. Um, And that can be really hard for me sometimes, too, because as a mother, we want our kids to love each other, and we want to be the peaceful environment for them. Um, We want to be the perfect example, and we want to be... um, you know, we wish that everyone looking would be like, oh, she's the perfect mother. She's doing it all, and her kids all love the Lord, and they never fight, and they never make a mess. And, of course, all of those things are not possible. Um, and so the verse that the Lord very frequently brings to mind is from 1 Corinthians 3, and where he says that neither he, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. And I have to remember that it's my job to be the planter and the waterer and that God will be the one to bring the growth. And that's hard in the day-to-day when it feels like, as a mom, you're failing. Um, And God reminds me over and over again that I'm not. I'm being faithful to be the planter or the waterer, and he's the one who will bring the growth. I just think it's a, it's a long play, right? Like, I wish that we would see immediate results all the time. Um, and God just reminds me that patience and steadfastness come from knowing that the fruit comes later and that I can be faithful in the little now and trust that he'll bring the growth later. And I will admit that this stage of my life snuck up on me. (laughs) I can't believe that I am as old as I am. And God isn't kidding when he says throughout scripture that life is short. In my stage in life, I am a wife to Pastor Rick. I'm a mom of two adult children, a mother-in-law to two adult children, and I'm a grandma to six grandkids ages 11 through 16, almost 16, a few days. And the good thing about what I call growing up, that sounds better than getting older, right, Um, is that God continues to grow me and refine me, and he helps me to see myself more accurately, which then helps me focus on what's really important in life. And the more I grow in my relationship with the Lord, the more I see my sin and how much mercy and grace he has poured out on me, 
and I have witnessed God's amazing, unconditional love in my life and his incredible patience. He's so good and kind and forgiving and faithful. And as a result of this ever-growing relationship with the Lord, I hope I can give to others what the Lord has given to me. Sorry, we can't see all you guys over there. I want to extend grace. I want to be more loving and patient and forgiving and encouraging. I want to be more compassionate and generous. I want to display the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life, which is Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So as a mother, if I'm growing in the Lord, that's a good thing for my kids and my grandkids, right? Because everything that we learn and experience, we can share with others. So as a mom, I want to encourage my adult children as they parent. I want to help them. I want to give them a break. I want to listen to them. And of course, I want to offer guidance and counsel when they ask, (laughs) or sometimes when they don't. (laughs) And as a grandmother, I want my grandkids to know that I love them unconditionally. And I want to jump at opportunities that come my way to pour spiritual truths into their lives as we spend time together, whether it's playing or reading or baking cookies, whatever it is. I want to take every opportunity to talk about the Lord with them. Thank you. Thank you. Next question. What spiritual discipline do you find most helpful in developing your intimacy with God in the stage you're at. Sharon. And unlike Drew, I do have time. I don't have any little ones running around in the house. So I can sit and I can read God's word. And that's, that's the discipline that I enjoy the most. Filling my mind with God's thoughts, his instructions, his counsel. And not only doing that though, but recognizing that I need to obey him. In John 15, Jesus reminds his disciples that if you truly love him, you will obey his commands. And I know there's many times that I say, I, I wholeheartedly love Jesus, but if I'm not obeying him, he's not pleased with me. He loves me, but he wants obedience. And I thought of Psalm 19, verses 7 through 14. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. And I am one who needs, um, my, I can get discouraged. And I know that I need to seek the Lord and his word to revive my soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. 
How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's like Sharon and I know each other. (laughs) Um, I have the same scripture. Oh, good. (laughs) So I'll piggyback right off of her. Um, However, like she said, my days look very different. And so it is the most important way for me to develop intimacy with God is through his word. And I have just found that it looks very different for me right now. Um, I joke now that I'm going to have to pull out my three-year-old or my four-year-old's Cubbies Awana book for the summer um, because I can't even count how many days I would sit down with my key in to work on his Cubbies verse and the Lord would wreck me with that one simple verse that he was memorizing. And it wouldn't even necessarily be a whole verse. It might just be half the verse. Um, And again, that was just for me, the Lord saying, I'm here with you and I see you and I want to meet you. I'm pursuing you. And so where you're faithful, I'll meet you there. Um, And I think the other way that the Lord meets with me and that I can meet with him is through worship right now. Um, It helps that I married a worship pastor. Um, We, our home is filled with songs that proclaim the truth of God's word. And so because we know that the songs that we sing are from God's word, I know that meeting the Lord in that, in worship, with my kids or just by myself, um, again, is a way that I meet with him through his word in just a different way. Um, So for me, that's what it looks like today, not spending an hour every morning, but, you know, 10 minutes with Kean here and there, and um, that's been really encouraging for me. Thank you. Thank you. Drew, we're going to start you off so, you know, Sharon doesn't take any more thunder. Um, What do you do when you feel like life is hard and you're feeling lonely and discouraged? When I make the right choice? No. (laughs) Um, this season that happens often I think if you've had young kids you know how often life feels hard and how easy it is to feel lonely and discouraged and sometimes it's about the kids and sometimes it's about yourself not even as a mother but for me just as a woman or as a wife or as a friend or a sister um, it can feel really discouraging. And so I have found the very first thing that actually helps um, is to pray. And it's usually just a, God, I don't want to do this right now. Like, God, this hurts right now. I'm overwhelmed. Meet me where I'm at. Just a quick prayer. And I know because God has promised in Psalm 34, 18, it says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit that when I call out to him, he will draw near to me. 
Um, and I can't, even in the last month, I can think of times where I have cried that out to the Lord and almost felt his tangible presence with me. Um, and he's encouraged me so much in that. Um, and also remembering that when I call out to the Lord over my own sin, um, or when I'm facing temptation to lose my temper with the kids or whatever it looks like, um, Jesus sympathizes with our weakness. And in Hebrews 4.15, it reminds us that he was tempted in every way that we were. He sympathizes with those weaknesses. And so if I ask him for help, he will answer. Um, So that's the first thing. And then the second thing I know I need to do is reach out. When I'm feeling lonely and discouraged, I have a few very close friends, um, some in this church and some from other churches where we've been, um, who I know will pick up when I call and they will drop to their knees and pray. Um, They'll offer encouragement. Some will drop what they're doing and drive to my front door. Some will pick up my kids. Um, But knowing that when I feel lonely, I know that I need the body. And so I know who those people are that I can reach out to um, and they'll help strengthen my weary arms and point me back to the Lord. Um, And then the last thing that I know is that it's time to get out. So pack up the kids and go wherever we need to go. Um, Again, sometimes it's to a friend's house. It's an emergency. Hey, who wants to have a play date? Like, we need to get out of the house. Um, Or like I said, sometimes it's asking a mom friend if they can take the kids for an hour or two. Um, I've prayed for a long time to have a community like that. (laughs) And I'm looking at faces in front of me today who have been answered prayers in the last year that God has brought to really walk alongside of us in that. And so I'm so thankful for God doing that for us in this season. The first thing I do, we're going to overlap a lot on this one. The first thing I do is talk truth to myself. I turn to God's word for encouragement, to those verses that I know will fill my heart. And God sees everything. I think that was already said. And he knows me inside and out, and I focus on the scriptures that tell me that he is there, that he is walking with me, and he will never abandon me. And that's in Hebrews 13.5. And I also pray and ask the Lord to give me a sense of his presence and to help me focus on him and what he's called me to do. And I seek encouragement from Rick and from trusted friends who can give me spiritual input and counsel or a different perspective, or sometimes they just listen or give me a hug or spend time with me to help lift my spirits. And lastly, I focus on everything I have to be thankful for, and then I focus on others. I get off my, I don't know if, can I say that here? (laughs) I get off my butt and do something. I get going. So, and then I don't dwell on me and feeling sorry for myself or when I am discouraged and feeling lonely. I'm never, we're never alone. We're never alone. And that's why we have to keep focusing on truth. Thank you. 
even for the language that you use. Okay, Sharon, why don't you start us off on this one. Tell us a verse you cling to and why. Okay, my verse is Psalm 143, 8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. And I came to love this verse through a friend who was going through cancer. It has been a go-to verse for me ever since she introduced me to it. Each morning, I want to wake up and remind myself of how much God loves me. Sometimes when you're a pastor's wife, it's very easy to share how much God loves you. But sometimes I need to speak that truth into my own life. And... I need to say, God loves me, period. And reflect on the fact that he sent his son to die for me, to purchase my salvation with his blood. He rose from the grave and defeated death so I can live eternally with him. He showers me with mercy and grace every day. He alone is completely trustworthy. He shows me through his word how to live, where it says, show me the way I should go. I can trust him with my very life, and I can trust him with the lives of my children and my grandchildren, because he is sovereign, and he knows what's best. Uh, Mine, I have two. And the first one is Psalm 121, verses 1 through 2, um, that say, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Um, This verse was the verse that I clung to when my mom passed, when I was 26 years old. And my dad passed when I was 18 um, and was left feeling like an orphan. And the Lord reassured me in that moment that my help comes from him and that he's my protector and he's my keeper and that he'll be with me no matter what I go through in the big things and in the little things. Um, And so that verse comes to mind very often, uh, mostly these days in the day-to-day. But when... The hurt comes, that verse is always reassuring to me um, that I'm not alone and that I'm not an orphan, that I'm a daughter of the king and that he's the one who is going to help me when I need help. Um, And sometimes when I think I don't need help, he's there anyway. Um, And I think what also really kind of shores up that truth that when he helps me, it will be for my good is Romans 8:28 and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose um, Brendan and I since we've been married have walked through some really deep valleys and without that promise that God was working all of those together for our good I wouldn't be here today um, 
And so knowing that I can look to him for help because he is working all things together for good, even when I can't see it, um, that's the hope that I cling to um, when things are hard. And things are often hard <laughs> when you're a mom. So, yeah. Thank you. Drew, conflict is part of life. How do you deal with it? So, growing up, I was raised to be the peacekeeper, not the peacemaker. And so it was really important for me growing up to not address conflict, but to stay away from conflict as much as I could. And as I've gotten older, realizing that in healthy relationships, especially with other believers, that that's actually not helpful and it's not what God has called us to. Um, and Sharon has been a very big um, cheerleader for me in learning how to have healthy conflict in a way that honors the Lord. Um, so sometimes that's with family, sometimes it's with Brendan, sometimes it's with my kids. Um, but I think first and foremost about Romans 12, 17 through 19, which just says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Um, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And so in conflict, it's important for me to remember that Above all, I want unity because that's what the Lord wants. And I want us to come to a place of peace because that's what the Lord wants. Um, and so remembering this is really important for me in my adult conflict with other people. I'm also the baby of the family, so I just naturally get my way a lot. <laughs> so that's not always helpful in conflict when I do choose to enter in. And so that verse has been really important for me. But it's also been a memory verse for me and my kids for like two years now. And if you ask my kids when they're fighting, like, what are you choosing to do now? Repay evil for evil? Is that how we handle conflict? No, of course not. Um, but it's also been important for me with my kids to teach them that, no, we don't repay evil for evil. Um, we trust that the Lord will take care of justice and we do whatever we can to honor other people when we are having conflict with them. Okay, how do I deal with it? Sometimes not very well. <laughs> but this is how I try to deal with it. Pastor Rick and I learned long ago from a beloved pastor of ours, Bill Johnson, who taught us from Matthew 5 and 18 that dealing with conflict and pursuing peace means you address the issues that are causing the conflict. You don't sweep them under the rug. Since that time, I've always been one who likes to get things out on the table. As hard as it is, I want to discuss the reasons behind the conflict and seek resolution as best we can, even if it means we agree to disagree. Rick and I have tried our best to foster a home where we can talk through things with our kids 
and I believe that our son and daughter have grown up knowing that they can discuss anything with us. There have been times that at the end of the conversation, neither party has budged. Imagine that. <laughs> but we get things out in the open. We express our love for each other and try to move on and do our best to respect the other person's convictions. And there was one time I can remember, I believe it was on Mother's Day, when I was having a conflict with my son. And we're all out in the backyard, everybody's playing, you know, having a great time. And Josh and I went and sat down and we started talking, really talking. <laughs> and in a, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes into the conversation, I look and everybody's gone. They all went in for lunch and they left us sitting outside talking. <laughs> You know, and I, and I specifically remember that we didn't resolve our conflict, but I, I looked at him, I grabbed his hand, and I just said, you know what, Josh, we love you so much. We love you so much, and you know who the real enemy here is, right? And so we had to talk about the spiritual battle that... We have a real enemy that's trying to destroy our relationships. And so I just, said, I just started praying for us. And honestly, at the end of it, it was just like it didn't matter. I can't even remember what the issue was. You know, we've had a few over the years. But anyway, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what the issue was because we experience peace with each other. Not because we agreed on anything, but because we were focusing on who we have to watch out for. We are in a daily battle, all of our families. Thank you, ladies. I am going to pray for you and just publicly thank the Lord for you. Father, I do thank you for both Drew and Sharon. I thank you for the journeys that you've given them. And I thank you, dear God, for the wisdom um, that comes from your word. Their faith, both of their faith, is growing. And you're using them in mighty ways where they're at. I just want to say thank you. We love them and are grateful for their encouragement to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You know, some of you got the bulletin. Which again, it's always available to you ahead of time. And you saw that I would be speaking today. Now, some of you are really nervous because I think you're you're thinking like, Pastor Rick, do you actually know what time it is right now? I do, I do. But I'm still going to teach. I'm still going to preach because although it won't be as long, I I think it's really important that we understand what God wants to teach us out of sound, sound, Proverbs 31. And, and as I said, some of you perhaps have seen that, and you go like, are you kidding me? 
like Proverbs 31 can be a bit intimidating for women. But if you understand what the scriptures are saying, I think it actually can give you wings. Starting at Psalm 31, and you can open up your Bibles or your flat screens, uh, starting at, at verse 10 of Proverbs 31, begins an alphabetic acrostic. Now, this may not mean much to you, but it's very helpful because traditionally in a Hebrew home, in a Jewish home, this text was recited by husbands and children every Friday night at the Sabbath table. You've all played that alphabet game, right, in the car, and you know you start with an A, and then you go with a B, and then you go with a C, and I drop out by D, you know, that kind of a thing. But it's really helpful. But as you read through Psalm 31, imagine a family reciting this over and over and over again, honoring especially their mother. This portion of Proverbs paints a picture of a woman who exercises a lot of responsibility while working out of her home. We can learn much from her, even though her world is really different than ours. Let's start off. Proverbs 31, verse 10. The scripture says this, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. A virtuous and capable wife, more precious than rubies. In Hebrew, virtuous and capable is one word. It's also translated in other places strong, powerful, one with substance, brave. She is strong in competence and character. She is valuable and rare. Then the chapter describes what this woman does. And you can read through it. In fact, I would encourage you. But the scripture says she is trustworthy. She enriches others' lives. She's industrious. She's thrifty. She's a hard worker. She manages others well. She makes wise investments. She cares for the poor. She does not fear the future. She gives wise advice with grace. She is honored by her family. Wow. (laughs) It's quite the checklist. Yes, that woman is more precious than rubies. But who is that woman? We all know women who are part of the package. But the whole package? I know some of you ladies right now are muttering, great mom's day text wager, you know. (laughs) But let's let's not fret. Okay, let's not. Because I believe the key is found in the text, and I actually think this will encourage you. Go a little bit later in the chapter, Proverbs 31, verse 30. And the scripture says this, charm is deceptive, and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. You see, 
She isn't merely a hard worker, a manager, and a dedicated teacher. But this woman that makes her stick out is someone in awe of Yahweh. Someone who has made a decision to follow their Lord They understand God's grace, which was shared quite a few different ways from our ladies. But they understood that Jesus died for them and that Jesus paid the debt for their sin and that they can have a relationship with God. See, the scriptures here says, is that a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. You see, fear of God actually has two components. We get confused a little bit, but as you read through the scriptures, you will be amazed how often the inspired word of God encourages God followers to fear God. Now, as I mentioned to you, it has two components. To fear God is to be both afraid of God and respectful of God. Let me read to you out of Hebrews chapter 12. This is a key text to understand God's discipline. In Hebrews 12, starting in verse 5, This is what the author says. And you have forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you. These are going to be encouraging words. I I just want to remind you. He then says, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and punishes each one he accepts as his child. Those are the two parts of fear. He says, first of all, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, things that God allows in our life so that we might learn who he is, that our faith might grow. Actually, this is a, um, a, it is found in Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verses 11 and 12. So in Proverbs, it says exactly the same thing. And and then he goes on and says, he doesn't give up when he corrects you. So here's the two parts. There is discipline God allows in our lives so that we build character. And there is correction when we disobey God. The next verse, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one as he accepts us as his child. Then for the rest of the text, he says this, as you endure this divine discipline, he now puts it underneath the whole umbrella. And he says, there are times when I will bring things in your life that will help you build character. And there are times in your life when you Go off the reservation and you need a little spanking or correction. He goes, as you endure both of these, this divine discipline, remember that the Lord is treating you as his own children. 
It goes on and says, your earthly fathers tried to do this for you, but your heavenly father, he understands perfectly what needs to be done. Let me just say this, is that we are not afraid of God as a child is with an abusive father. God is one who punishes perfectly when we disobey and appropriately. God holds us accountable. And our shaking or fear of God is because we know he does see everything and will lovingly correct each one who is his, who's part of his family if we disobey. The second component of fear is that we grow in respect or awe. Awe grows as our relationship grows. The shaking and quivering in awe of his power, his authority. If you would read many of the Psalms, but especially Psalm 104, Psalm 104, over and over, the psalmist says, God, you are so big, you are so amazing, you are so powerful. I'm in awe of you. So that we can be confident in his plan, in his timing. You heard our ladies talk about that often. We know that our God uses our journey to discipline us for our good. That is why those who walk with God, they don't have to complain. I know it's easy too, but we know God is allowing this. God is in charge. We actually can thank God for the circumstances and the situations in our life. And then our obedience flows because our Faith is in our Father, who we are convinced that he knows what is best. You may not know this, but fear of God is learned. We just don't all of a sudden arrive. Moses, at the end of his life, was actually giving some instruction to the next leader of Israel, who was Joshua. And in Deuteronomy chapter 31, starting at verse 11, very interesting, Moses is just about to die. Joshua's taken over. Moses says to Joshua, you must read this book of instruction to all the people of Israel when they assemble before the Lord your God at the place he chooses. Call them all together, men, women, children, and foreigners living in your towns so that they may hear this book of instruction and Learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully obey all the terms of these instructions. Do this so that your children who have not known these instructions will hear them and will learn to fear the Lord your God. You see, what's interesting as we read the scriptures, as we listen to the Holy Spirit teaching us, Over and over and over again, we begin to grow in our fear, in our awe, just unbelievable respect that begins to ooze. And our our obedience changes from, I better do that so I don't get whacked or spanked or chastised, to, I want to obey you, God. I know that you are wise and good, and that 
is the path I want to take. Even Moses shares the plan, the discipleship plan. Not only read it to everybody, but make sure your kids understand this. This is discipleship at its finest. You know, you've heard a lot today. And I would love to close with one of the many promises for those who fear God. Just one promise. You will read so many through the scriptures. But in Psalm 25, verse 14, the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. He teaches them his promises. He teaches them his principles. Fear grows as your relationship grows. What made this woman in Proverbs 31 valuable and rare? It was because she feared God. She had a relationship with God. Let me read the last verse, Proverbs 31, 31. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. I do thank God for Drew and Sharon and for the plethora of people here who fear God. I think of the ones that are already with the Lord in my life, and I think of the ones all the way through the years, the different ministries, the different opportunities I've had to be with people. But I thank the Lord for them. And I would encourage you as a culture that it would be wise to honor such women and the values they represent. Not everybody has a mom who fears the Lord. But oh, what a gift. What a gift that is. You know, we did a few things today. We tried to pump your tires and encourage you and help you understand how good it is to fear God. But I also modeled for you the art of question. You know, some of the greatest regrets I have is that I didn't ask some people who, well, did the journey before me especially, questions. I can't tell you in our household how many times I say, man, I wish my dad was here, my mom, or Sharon's mom. Why didn't we ask that question? Why didn't we do that? Maybe even around the table today, you can start that practice, asking questions. How do they deal with life? Hey, when you're mad, what happens? And you keep asking questions. And you know what'll happen? You'll learn through other people's experiences. Another thing, I don't know if you noticed, but although many, uh, they answered the same question, but so much of their answers overlapped. I could have just done, you answer this question, you answer the next question. But one of the beauties of that is that it doesn't matter even what generation you're in, what life stage you're in. Do Do you get that? Do you know how important it is to walk with God? And may you be encouraged. Let's bow our heads for just a moment, if we could. And we won't take long, but 
But what I would like to do is have you just respond to God. Just talk to God personally right now. Maybe there's something that needs to be corrected. Maybe there's someone you need to talk to. Maybe there's someone you need to bless. Maybe there's a note you need to write. Maybe you need to just thank God right now for certain people in your life. But I pray that you do. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Proverbs 31. And even how, as we read it, it, it looks crazy impossible. But God, what we do know is that as we fear you, whether we're a man or a woman, that you begin to change us from the inside out that our character begins to reflect you. And you give us the ability to serve others wholeheartedly. We become less selfish and desire to please you more. Would you raise up a generation to do that? Thank you for the many people, Lord, who fear you, who walk with you. And may all of us grow in our fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and bless our mothers once more.